depending on where the planets are, can that affect us physically? Like the Mercury in retrograde, um, is that a real thing for you? Do you believe in that? Okay. I, I am so important that that planet knows I exist and it knows when I was born and it's going to influence my life. Right. What kind of ego does that take? Today, we're talking about all things science, fungi, and extraterrestrials with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil, thank you so much for doing this. You oh, are yeah. a rock star. I'm so excited. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for your interest. Absolutely. Yeah. I've watched like every interview of yours and <laughs> I, I'm like obsessed. <laughs> I was on the phone with my all my friends, my ex-husband. Everyone has questions for you. Um, wow. Yeah. That's going deep if you're getting questions from your ex-husband. That's, I know. You know what? Getting... He's my <laughs> he's my best friend. He's a good guy. I'm lucky. I'm lucky to have okay. him. Okay. Mm-hmm. Totally. So let's jump right into it, if you don't mind. I know I only have an hour sure. with you. Um, so my first question is, have you always been this smart since you were a kid? Well, I, I have a different definition of the word smart. Mm-hmm. And I, people count me among the ranks of smart people and okay but maybe maybe i'm not smarter than you maybe i just watch less football (laughs) (laughs) i mean think about how much time we invest in this well there's the pregame show and then there's the show and then there's a postgame show and then there's the analysis of the of the game later on that evening and that's just one game And then there's like five games. And the thing about football is you will watch games even with teams that are not your home team. True. Which is which baseball does not enjoy. They don't enjoy that sort of cross city um, resonance, resonances that football does. So add up all that time. Maybe I'm learning stuff while you're doing that. I get that. Have you considered that? So uh, I I realized this in high school. Uh, I went to a geeky high school. And uh, I went to the Bronx High School of Science. I'm born in the Bronx. That high school counts eight Nobel laureates among its graduates. Okay? Mm-hmm. So so what's going on? Well, all right. I, I don't know if it's, it's in the water supply or what, but here's something that I know. That between classes, we're talking about the world, the universe. Right. During, during lunch break, we're ta- I had a friend. His name is Frank Larice, and we had just learned about the. Uh, um, uh, there's a French mathematician called Laplace. We learned about the Laplace equations, and he imagined that one day there'd be the Larice equations. <laughs> and I thought that, you know, in terms of ambitions, when you're 15, that's kind of an interesting ambition to have. True. Then you look at all the interstitial time we spend doing nothing in our lives, and all I've done is ensure that none of that time is wasted by doing nothing. And by the way, I have a lot of tasks that I accomplish that are very, very low level, low, I mean, simple tasks that I will allocate where I have bad quality time. Okay. There's good quality time Mm -hmm. where I might be writing and being creative. And then there's bad quality time. Like when I'm on the subway. Okay. Okay. So I get on the subway and there's like funk and people walking in and out right. you know, hit by the backpack and stuff. And I'm, I'm there and I'm doing like simple email. Okay. I don't need gotcha. deep thought to reply to most of my email. 
So that's interstitial time. Now I'm not using other time for email. I can use that to be creative and learn something and do something fun and interesting. So make a long story short, there is no teacher in my entire arc through school in any subject who would have said, had you stepped into that classroom, watch Neil, he'll go far. Mm. I am where I am. You just found an interest and you just just went with it. Not because of teachers, but in spite of them. Gotcha. I had my own, I had ambitions that were not, that didn't reveal themselves through my grades in school. Yeah. I ran an astronomy club. I went on expeditions to see eclipses. When I was 14, I did this. So you've always I, just been fascinated with it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I had books on this. My parents discovered the remainder table of bookstores. Um, and what is that? That's when publishers shake the tree right. of the warehouse for books that aren't selling. They discount it because they're just trying to make room. Mm-hmm. And my parents would buy these books for like 50 cents. 25 cents and there'd be usually some mark across the top showing that they were like removed from the main <laughs> supply didn't matter right. and my parents they're, they're not scientists but they they but they knew what a science book looks like so as a math book and science book and especially books on the universe they would buy those in middle school i am sure i had the biggest library of any middle school kid there ever was just because of these books and i go home and read the books and You're I go so to lucky because people don't people don't even know what they want to do. They're, they're like 25, 30 years old. And they're like, I still don't know what to do with my life. I, and, and I used to wonder, like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> of course, everyone knows. <laughs> and then I, when I got to college and I realized, no, most people don't know what they want to do. True. And I knew what I wanted to do since I was nine. But oh, most people don't. And it took years for me to sort of wrap my head around that. And then I realized uh, better to take time. And then end up doing what you know you really love than to do things that because your parents expected. Oh, but my parents tried to be a doctor. They couldn't, but they need now want me to be a doctor. Well, they are doctors, medical doctors. Now they want me to follow in their footsteps. Right. Okay. I can't tell you how many people have asked me, are your kids following in your footsteps? No. Okay. (laughs) They're doing their own thing. Exactly. Exactly. They're scientifically literate for damn sure, but they're. Doing their own thing. I, there was no such obligation or expectation. So that's my very long answer okay. to your, your question. <laughs> that you're you're very lucky. You're very very lucky. I wanted to actually um, be a scientist and study infectious diseases. I was like obsessed with HIV and AIDS. Uh, wow. When I was when I was young, I right, that's to a know- tough thing to put on your business card, you know. Well, no, I was. Well, who just, are you? Yeah, I'm specialist in infectious diseases. I know it was <laughs> just I was obsessed. Date. I was obsessed. I wanted to be like Dr. Fauci. I wanted to know everything about that. Um, but life, you know, took a different turn, and I'm grateful. Um, but wait, but, your- but it doesn't mean wait. Sure, sure, but it doesn't mean you still don't have some curiosity for it. Absolutely, then, all the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So even if what even if your main love gets hard or gets weird or or or, or there's a a curveball or an off ramp, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that can't still be part of your life's curiosity. And so that you now that you know infectious diseases, you probably more deeply understand vaccines and what role they played right. in the history of our civilization. So you can be a force of good out there, you know, spreading accurate information because you have that background. Absolutely. So I, I will never discount things I learned no matter how remote they might have seemed to whatever was my first love uh, of a topic, because it can come up at another time and another place. And you could end up making, yeah. even making a connection that no one knew to make before, because what is genius really, if not 
seeing what everyone else sees, Mm -hmm. but thinking what no one else has thought. Yes. And that thinking is making connections. And you can't make a connection if there's not a thing there to connect to in, in your thoughts. So that's how I view the world. So I don't, I don't think of myself as smart. I think of myself as motivated mm. and, and mm-hmm. with an energy to learn and a curiosity that never went away after childhood. Because we all were curious children. Everyone, that's what it is to be a child. Yeah. Right. Turn over rocks. You, you know, you, what's behind a tree? What's under the leaf? What's, you know, and you're always asking questions and you always, this is what kids do. Yeah. And so I've told people that if that kid curiosity never goes away and you become a grown-up kid, that's a scientist. Right. Exactly. No, I agree. Does your wife ask you questions all the time or does she pretty much have all the answers now? Well, my, my wife? Yeah. Yo, she has a, a PhD in mathematical physics. So, so she's, she's so she knows what you know. She doesn't have yeah, to ask oh, questions. Yeah, oh, very much so. Very much so. And the uh, we met in graduate school. So the um, and people say, well, damn, your kids must be messed up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, she's very uh, down to earth and very practical and very uh, clear sighted. So that's awesome. Uh, and no, we're not. We're not ter- trying to turn out weird kids. No, right. <laughs> did do some experiments with them, yeah. but nothing like laboratory. You know, with smoke coming out right. of the test. No, just um, we'd walk to school, and I'd toss little math puzzles to my kids when I'd walk them to school, just to keep that part of their brain exercised. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. I try to do the same actually. When I have two boys, how old are they? Uh, four and ten. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh, you're still at it. Oh my god! I know. So we do like a we will you know if we're in the car we'll do like geography questions. We'll nice. do like math questions. You know we try to keep them busy and um, c- consistently learning. So I'm with you on that. Now, at the time, I didn't have to fight with their attention to to a smartphone. Uh, they were just sitting in the true. car. You know? <laughs> true, true. <laughs> when, but when, you know, I try, I have I have times where I'm like, okay, we're eating put the iPads down, you mm-hmm. know, we're going to have family mm-hmm. time. We're going to learn this. We're going to play a game. Right. You know, we try, but, um, so I saw that you did an interview and you were talking about chimpanzees versus maybe an other species of humanoid type people. Aliens. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we share 99% of DNA with chimpanzees. At least, at least, yeah, it's it's very right. high 90s, yes. So, but we can't understand them. Maybe in some cases they can understand us if we do like hand movements or they're being taught something. What does that 1% mean? Because the, the 1% that we don't share with them, it seems so, so far, like we're completely different from that 1%. What does that 1% actually mean? Keep telling yourself that. <laughs> Are we not? The, Tell me. The, the human ego knows no bounds. Mm. Okay. So first of all, we typically, oddly, I think, and Carl, I think Carl Sagan first made this observation that we'll try to teach a chimp, you know, uh, or any other animal, mammal, for example, or birds. Um, uh, maybe we'll try to teach us some sign language or something. Right symbols for an apple or this or that if it's hungry and then we judge how smart they are by how well they learn this yet we don't judge how smart we are by how well we learn their language (laughs) they all communicate with each other just fine 
Okay. So why is it that their smarts is whether they learn our means of communication and not vice versa? So I just toss that, that that's a startup question right there for you. Right. But to the crux of the matter, you want to believe that chimps who like stack boxes and reach a banana, let's say, mm -hmm. that's a pretty clever thing to do. If there's scattered boxes and the banana hanging from the ceiling, they'll stack the boxes. All right. So you'll say, well, that's a smart chimp. Well, what's a smart human? Well, we as a species, we have poetry and music and philosophy and and the, the James Webb Space Telescope and art. And so your urge is to say, what a difference that makes. And you're more likely to say that if you're religious, because religion has a way of putting the human not only in the center, but the most important thing mm -hmm. among all things is you, the human in that religion. So, so this, this thought that what a difference that 1% makes, that's everything weird. There's a huge gap there. And all I did was ask the question, suppose the gap between stacking boxes and the James Webb telescope is as small as that 1% indicates. Mm -hmm. Pose. And you're saying, no, come on, Tyson, how could that be? You know, let me hear you grumble. Go, grumble. <laughs> I'm actually just curious. Okay. No. <laughs> you gotta say, no, that can't be. Let me hear you. That can't be. Tyson. Oh, that can't no, be. No. Ah. Ah, no, there you go. Let me hear that <laughs> grumble. That was good. So so all I did was imagine some hypothetical life form. Right. That was 1% beyond us the way we are beyond the chimp. What would we look like to them? A chimp. We would Basically. Look yeah. Okay. What? Okay. What chimps, what, this is what chimps look like to us and this is what we would look like to them. Yes. So that our greatest achievements would be simple things that they're Like toddlers. stacking boxes and getting a banana. Correct. Right. They say, oh, isn't that cute? You made a James Webb Space Telescope. Exactly, right. That is so cute. Well, little Zardok, just from preschool, uh, he launched his own uh, satellite network system <laughs> before he came home today. That's cute. Oh, is this is this the, 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 the architectural, you know, the engineering drawings for it? Uh, you know, it, it's a toddler, right? Let's put it on the refrigerated door where they're so cute. <laughs> right. So that's just 1%. Suppose we're 5%. 10%. They could literally have created Earth at, as, a, as a terrarium aquarium for their own amusement and put us there. Listen, and, we would never even I, know. and, and for me, um, I'm an atheist, and I feel like that's actually more likely than actually having like well, a. Let's just start our conversation about whether we're in a simulation created by some right. alien in his parents' basement. <laughs> no, <laughs> seriously. This is the stuff that I think about constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, there's an entire uh, cult, uh, religious group, really, that asserts that God are aliens and aliens created us. And mm. they're called the Ray Alien. I, I might be mixing two different cults, but they're the Ray Aliens and they come from the Pleiades, and they created us in their image, right? It sounds very biblical, right? But they're using aliens instead of a divine mm -hmm. thing that requires faith to embrace. 
Um, well, well so I think there's more. Aliens. I think there. It seems like there's more evidence that aliens do exist versus uh, an almighty, powerful god in the sky. Yeah, but deeply religious people, it's not about evidence. It's just about faith. That's why they're all collectively called faiths. Yeah. So that's that's not even a an interesting conversation to have mm-hmm. for an atheist to say, "Where's your evidence for God?" They believe in God for because sure. It, it's based on faith. I get it. My mom loves God, and I'm, I, you know, I know that's what kind some of God people, did she like? She, the Christian God. No, I mean, okay, which which branch of Christianity? Um, just plain old Christian, not like, <laughs> not like Protestant Catholic, or Baptist. Baptist right. No, Protestant. she's not Protestant, Baptist. It's just Christianity. That's what she just says. Christi- just pure Christian. Yeah, okay. just Christian. Okay, mm-hmm. there it is. Um, so I'm just saying when, you know, when we had in school, probably not as adults, but as kids in your classroom, you might've had an ant farm mm-hmm. and here are all these ants in there and you could look through the tubes and they're there. The ants look busy, you know, moving their dirt around and things and you feed them. And do they know they're in an ant farm right? for your amusement? Okay. That's, do we know, are, are we self-aware about whether earth is created by some slightly more intelligent species that make us look like chimps to them. Right. So that's the only point of that exercise. It's a thought experiment. Yeah. On what that 1% difference might make. And if they're that, if their toddlers bring home engineering drawings for the satellite networks they launched that week from preschool, then to them, there's a trivial dis- difference only a trivial difference between stacking boxes and launching the James Webb Space Telescope. Do you think that chimpanzees are our ancestors? No one ever said that. Okay. Okay, so let, let me correct that. Mm-hmm. The apes of which we are among, that the great we're among the great apes. The great apes are chimpanzees. I, I won't get them all, but I'll get most of them and you'll get the sense of it. The chimpanzees, the gorilla, the humans, um orangutan and none of them have tails okay mm-hmm. so if it's sort of monkey looking and it doesn't have a tail it's a great ape and um this is what made curious george a little awkward because they kept calling him a monkey but he's a chimpanzee mm-hmm. and monkeys all have tails okay gotcha so here's the way to say this the common ancestor between chimpanzees and humans split later than its common ancestors split with the other chimp with the other apes okay okay that's why we can say we are more more closely related to chimps than to other apes we had a common ancestor and it split more recently than the rest mm-hmm. it all the apes have a common ancestor with all the monkeys that's an earlier split in the tree of life and then that would have split from other mammals, the ancestors of other mammals. Mm-hmm. Okay, you keep going back and you eventually reach a fish, yes. which is the ancestor of all vertebrates, of which we are among them. So now here's an interesting fact, slightly slight off-ramp to what you said, but it's still there. The common ancestor between humans and mushrooms, which is longer ago, of course, that common ancestor split later than its common ancestor split with green plants. Which means we and mushrooms are more genetically alike 
then either we or mushrooms are to green plants. Wow. <clears throat> that was now, actually one of my ex-husband's questions. He wanted to know because he does shrooms a lot. Oh, he does. Well, he look does. at look at how relationship. He wanted to know if shrooms mushroom. came from outer space. That was one of his questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, please <laughs> ask Neil that. Okay, not likely because there is some DNA in common yes. with us. If it came completely out of space, you wouldn't find any common uh, uh, root stock of yeah. the DNA. Okay, all life we've ever measured, it's DNA. There's some commonality, and just less and less common the farther back in time you go. But if you have any DNA in common, there's no reason for us to think it came from another planet. Don't we and have DNA in common with bananas as well? Yes, yes, yes. So where, yes. Is, so where is that? Where does that come okay, from? Okay, you're looking for two arms and a legs in, in the bananas? Uh, <laughs> in fact, wasn't there a, there was a cartoon, no, I mean, a British kids show with bananas. B1 and B2, banana. I forgot what they were called. They were just bananas. Okay. It was weird. It was it was a it was weird. Don't think I didn't think it was weird. But anyhow, so um, I forgot. It's like is it twenty percent identical DNA? Some in the tens, low tens of percentages of identical DNA with a banana. And my point is that there's a lot more that's similar about life than what's different about life. When you look at things like metabolism and how does it convert sugars into energy when it needs the energy and what, you know, these are, there are other basic biochemistry questions you can ask about life mm -hmm. that you will find permeates all life. Now I wanted to say about, or most like, what I wanted to say about mushrooms is mushrooms includes all a fungus. It is its own branch, its own kingdom in the tree of life is the animal kingdom, plant kingdom, mushroom kingdom, fungal kingdom. Right. Fungal kingdom includes yeast, for example. Um, uh, so look at how comfortable fungus is coexisting with our bodies. Okay. Athlete's foot, that's fungus. Ringworm, that's fungus. Right. Okay. I think dandruff is caused by some fungus on your scalp, last I read. And so fungus and and you can do mushrooms and go on head trips and the mushrooms are just fine messing with your brain. OK, mm -hmm. like they've been there before. <laughs> like they've Crazy. Been so so anyhow, so, so that's my very long reply to your question about this one percent difference between humans and chimps. Wow, that's. I can't wait to watch this back and like listen again because uh, uh, that was a lot of information. Oh, by the way, a year ago, I published a book called Starry Messenger Cosmic Perspectives on Civilization. Mm -hmm. And it takes all of these things that people think about and argue about and possibly even take up arms over. Yeah. And say, pause. Here's what it looks like when you're scientifically literate. And it looks really different. And here's what it especially looks like yeah. when you have a cosmic perspective. And from a cosmic perspective, so much of those conflicts just evaporate. There's an entire chapter there on body and mind, where it forces you to think about our bodies and our minds in a more cosmic context. And I retell this example with the chimpanzee in that chapter and go many other places as well. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I actually wanted to go back. So I have this hole in my ears right here. And I Googled it one day and it said some scientists believe that that could be a gill from evolution. How do you feel about that? Oh, yeah. So I, I don't can't comment specifically on that, but I do know that we have vestigial 
elements in our body, vestigial uh, features of our body that just just basically left over. They're just leftovers mm-hmm. that never completely went away. Okay, so here's one that I, I, it occurred to me to look for and notice. I said to myself, okay, um, you know, the big question is why do men have nipples, right? What what good are they? You're right. All right? And I, I I was never one of those that who was distracted by that question, but I knew some people were. Yeah. And then I thought about it and I said, well, we have a dog who had eight nipples. Might have been 10, but the eight were clear. And there's insects that went right down her underside. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she had puppies and she had eight puppies. Okay. One died. So there's a nipple for every puppy there okay right then i said to myself oh by the way if bears have triplets then one dies almost every time really because they can't share the milk they're they're two right there's only two uh so so there's eight of them and there it is and i said now wait a minute dogs are mammals we're mammals I wonder if we have more than two nipples. I just wondered that. Mm-hmm. How could a dog have eight and we only have two when we have common genetic uh, DNA origin in the mammal branch mm-hmm. of vertebrates? Okay. Yeah. I just had this thought. So then I'm at the beach. And I there, when people wearing either a bikini or or men walking up and down, I noticed that on some people there are these marks down their chest okay and they they look they could just look like a birthmark or whatever and i said i wonder what those then i looked it up and i found out that there's vestigial um mats of nerve endings in places where you would have had more nipples such as what we saw with dogs wow and you might, if you look at yourself in the mirror, you know, look below the main um, uh, uh, chest. Yeah. And you might see marks and you might have just thought it was a birthmark or a mole or whatever. I actually and- do. I have one right there. Oh, I do. Oh. OK. Yeah. So we we have. So that's an example of just leftovers. We don't need them. Yeah. Because we're not having we're not having litters of six kids. So there's no need to fill eight eight teats with milk yeah okay that's a waste of, of body resources and it's huge resources having a kid as a mammal because you have to suckle them until they're old enough to exist on their own because they would die without you Mm-mm-mm. whereas with other animals they're like good right out of the box right right, right. Um, so, so 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 yes so you have a whole it could be i i, I don't know but uh, don't be surprised when such things exist. I actually thought it was really cool because I always was like, why the hell do I have these random holes in my ear on the side of my head? Like gills, like fish gills. So that's where the fish gills are. Yeah, they're back on the side of the head. Yeah. But yeah. You there never you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so where do you think like morality comes from? Or for an, for an example, is it, so, like, let's say someone like Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, do you think that's nurture, nature, environmental? Or do you think at any point a DNA marker can just come out in your child and create this type of 
person, like a serial killer or someone that has psychopathy? Or do you think that's like DNA or do you think that you can create that by raising them a certain way? So uh, in this other book, not the one you have in your lap right now on the couch, but in this other book, the body and mind chapter, I do address this. So let me tell you where, what science and sort of cosmic perspective can do for this. Um, lately, I've been thinking much more about free will than ever before. Not in the, the way the philosopher would care about free will, where it, or, it, it, or is your, every thing you do predestined and you have no control. I'm not, that's I like get it. I ex get it. extreme yeah. free will. Yeah. I've been thinking about it more sociologically. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you fall down and you're writhing on the ground and you're frothing at the mouth, you know, 300 years ago, clearly the devil inhabited your body. Let's go get the priest right. and perform or an exorcism. Or spell on you or something. Okay, exactly. Yeah. And in the time that takes to happen, this goes away. It's because it, it worked out. The timing worked out because back in small towns, how far away is the church? It's not very far. Mm -hmm. That's about, so you're in this writhing state for about as long as it takes you to go get the priest, have the priest come with the holy water and do it. And then everything is calm. Okay. We, of course, that's not the cause of it. The right. cause is the uncontrolled firings of your brains. We have terms for it. We have some medicine for it. Uh, and of course, it's epilepsy. Did the person of epilepsy have free will to not fall on the ground in an epileptic seizure? No. Of course not. Okay. So that's an easy one. Okay. Uh, how about someone who's depressed? Do no. they have free will to not be depressed? The person who's ready to jump off the building or the bridge and does, in that moment, did they have the free will to not kill themselves? Yes. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm posing these questions because I'm thinking this through just on my own. Yeah. Okay? The more we look at human behavior, the easier it is for me to recognize that the person who is exhibiting that behavior does not entirely have the free will to not exhibit the behavior. If you are addicted right. to a highly addicted drug, do you have the free will to not do everything in your life to try to get the next dose? Do you have, do you have the free will to not OD? Okay, so my, my point is, um, uh, uh, in, in an excellent case, you mentioned Jeffrey Dahmer. I forgot the guy's name. There's a movie about him, uh, a shooter in Texas at the University of Texas. Um, they made a movie out of it called The Tower. Okay. Right? He, he got a high-powered rifle, went up to the tower, and just started killing people at long range. Okay? Mm -hmm. I forgot how many he killed, uh, somewhere between 10 and 20. They found a note on him that said, I want to kill people and I don't know why. Mm, right. When that's I what die, I'm saying. That's fascinating to me. When I die, please go into my brain and find out what's wrong. Wow. They went into his brain and they found a tumor. As I remembered the story being told, they found something in his brain. Did he have the free will to not do this? Okay. So what this does is if we recognize as a society, that there's certain things people do 
I, I got another one. Uh, when I was, you know, early in my career, I had colleagues who were not very socialized. They said, well, just come to a party, you know, loosen up. It didn't seem to work. I didn't know at the time that they were on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. I would say one out of six of my colleagues are on the spectrum. Right. About one in six. You can't beat them over the head. So be sociable. Be, be. Yeah. No, they can't. They can't. There's something in there. They can't. They are, do they have the free will to be the life of the party? No. Right. So the more I added this up, the more I asked myself, how much free will do we have at all? So and true. I don't care whether it's genetic or, or environmental. It doesn't matter. As it manifests, it's as it manifests. Because both of those will combine in whatever amount relative to each other to influence our behaviors. And what is the number? Is it 70%, 80% of people in prison come from below the poverty line in society? Well, did they have the free will to not land in prison? If they're born in poverty and poverty statistically correlates with that. Right. So you, so, so I'm becoming a free will modernist, if you will. And recognizing, because if we, if we come to terms with that as society, then there are no prisons, whatever people were doing, you, 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 you would look at, the whole system of punishment differently. I agree. It would change our our codes of empathy. You asked me where morality comes from. Yeah, uh, you, which led into this. Yeah, you. It would change how you view transgressive behavior. You view it more with sympathy and empathy rather than with ire and disgust. Right. Well, so it has huge consequences. Even the Jeffrey Dahmer story, for an example. Um. He wasn't diagnosed as a psychopath because they said that he actually had some empathy for his victims when he would kind of put them to sleep or in a zombie-like state because he didn't necessarily want to hurt them. But he had He he didn't want them to feel pain. He didn't want them to feel pain. Yeah, he didn't want them to feel pain. Um, Mm -hmm. But for some reason, he had to see what their insides looked like. He wanted to taste them and eat them. And that's something that, like... He just couldn't help. What do you do in that situation? Right. So what I would say is the state of psychology and psychiatry is not mature enough to solve that problem. Right. Only to diagnose it. Okay. Yeah, there's some medicines, but they're still really in its infancy compared with physics. Physics has been around for five centuries in, in, in a mature state. Astronomy has been around for a thousand years. It's been argued as the second oldest profession. Okay, try people have been looking up forever, right? So, so the uh, psychology, not to cut you off, I'm so sorry, but sometimes I do feel like we still live in a very barbaric society. Like, well, with how we treat our people who are mentally ill, yeah, who, who, who are, who who are uh, mentally, uh, who are truants or who are uh, otherwise exhibit regressive behavior in society. All I'm saying. Yeah, if you want to see what the state of your society is, look at a look at its prisons, look at its mental hospitals, look at its you know there there there's certain litmus tests of how enlightened is your culture uh, for this. Right. So I, I I I guess what I'm saying is 
I imagine a day where neuroscience, which is the follow-on, from my view, from psychology and psychiatry, neuroscience gets in your head and says, here's what that is. Here's that regressive behavior. We can fix that. We can adjust that. Yeah. The day that happens, there are no mental hospitals. Right. I mean, I, I, I've always said, you know, obviously, I don't know when I'm going to die. But either way, I, I want to give my body to science. They can just figure out anything, study my brain, study whatever, just to kind of help people in the future. Like, what am I going to do with a body? Like, right. I don't, I don't right. need it at that point. It's very practical of you. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, so I, 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 I have my hope for the future is that neuroscience can address all of these issues. Yeah, for sure. And including well, they did that with John Wayne Gacy. But uh, obviously that was like uh, maybe late 80s, early 90s. They studied his brain. I don't think they had the technology at the time maybe to see something in, in his brain that made him like that. Yeah. So neuroscience is in itself in its infancy. Yeah. Right. So, but I'm, I'm looking 30 years out maybe that we'll have such progress that we'll have some understanding of it. And we have to be very careful though, because again, back to your morality question, if you go back to before 1987, the, the American Psychiatric Association, uh, they, uh, only in 1987 did they remove homosexuality as a mental disorder in their encyclopedia. Crazy. In their listing of... of, of you said of, 1987? That's how late it was. Wow. Which tells you that if you were, quote, diagnosed as homosexual in the 1950s or 60s, and you went to get professional medical advice, and we had access to your brain, they say, we can fix that. Let's go nip, tuck, snip, cut in this brain, and now they will be heterosexual, and all will be fine. That is an establishment establishing, uh, 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 put in, in, invoking a, a, um, a moral code on behavior based on standards that they judge to be normal. Right. And, you know, what is normal? That's a whole other question. And, you know, we have, uh, is normal what the average is? Well, I think most, some... most mammals are uh, bisexual in some way. I mean, right? Yeah, I don't care about other mammals. Right. You can, you can find other animals to make any case you want. Right. Okay. You can find eagles that mate forever. And try to use, but we're not eagles. We're freaking humans. Yeah. So leave the other animals out of this equation. Okay. Right. We behave the way we behave. Do not try to justify it or not justify it by, or, or, or de-justify it by citing the conduct of other species of animals in this world. Yeah. Okay. I, because that's, it's, you, you, people end up cherry picking it in order to then make their own cultural political case. Gotcha. We ought to that be able sense. to make this case on our own in a free society. Okay. In a free society, we know that people express themselves on a gender spectrum. We've known this from childhood. You know, what were the, the tomboys? These are girls. Nobody made them do this. They had short hair. They wrestled the boys in the mud and they wore boy clothes. Tomboys. Okay. And you had the slightly offended boys. Yeah. All right. This is, this is in spite of that not being normal. 
All right. Yeah. This, so the kid is just being a kid. So so now we have adulthood and we're a little more enlightened than back then. We see a gender spectrum expressed in the adult population. And fine, in a free society, you ought to be able to do that and not have a psychologist tell you there's something wrong with you just because you don't match some normal code that they've come up with. Well, yeah, because then like 30 years from now, 40 years from now, we can look back on this time and be like, wow, we were all really stupid. Correct. You know, correct. Yeah. I want to future proof the decisions you make today. Yeah, absolutely. So as a scientist, can you tell me why racism is stupid? I So I can I can give a bigger answer than that. Please. Uh, we, if you go back, you know, 100,000 years. We lived in tribes, okay? And these tribe, these nomadic tribes, these, you know, hunter-gatherer tribes, there are people in your same family, people who looked like you, people who smelled like you, and that was your tribe. And there's another tribe over there. Uh-oh, there's a watering hole. Uh-oh. So now you want to protect your tribe, and there it is. We were like that for hundreds of thousands of years. We evolved that way. And then rapidly in recent centuries, where we can where we can communicate with each other instantly, travel instantly, see everyone around the world basically instantly. We have no need for these tribal ways. Yet we evolve that way. And so we have, let me call it tribal baggage. Mm -hmm. What is the tribal baggage? We go out of our way to find people that we say are in our group. Are you in or out? And if you're out in the limit, I might take up arms against you because you're not in my group. And the group could be anything, anything. And we're dealing with this evolutionary baggage. And racism is a tiny part of all the reasons why people would want to kill one another, which includes who you sleep with, what side of a line in the sand you're born on. Uh, what how ref yes how reflective your skin is to sunlight um what god or gods you worship or don't worship right we have found reasons to slaughter one another wholesale throughout the history of our species yeah world war ii we're talking about racism was that a war about racism okay really the Europeans fighting other Europe, white people fighting other white people, white Christians fighting other white Christians. Right. Okay. Look at the 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 troubles, uh, the thirty years of troubles in the, in Northern Ireland. We have we have Irish Catholics in combat with Irish Protestants. <laughs> so crazy. If you're going to find that as a reason, yes, there's uh, yes, there's political threading in that, of course, with England and the like. But, but it's also like, let people believe what they want. Who cares? I never go to a Christian and say, you're stupid for believing in God. I don't do that. I let people just be who they are. As long as you're good to me, I don't care. Like, well, the whole world is not composed of people I, just I like mean, you. I mean, I get it, but it's, I mean, it's just so frustrating. Did anyone tell you that? Can I, we let you on to a secret here? It's, I know. know, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But I mean, come on. It's just really just so, yeah, so simple. So racism, I don't isolate that as a unique expression of people's conduct. By the way, we've gotten much better over the decades. It's hard to see it and feel it. No, no, sorry. It's easy to see it. People don't see it. 
that it's I'm old enough. I'm an old crusty man right now. I'm old enough to remember there were no black people on TV. Right. In, in sitcom. Excuse me. Yeah. No, if there's a black person on TV, they were dancing for you or they were doing something athletic. All right. And even then you wouldn't field an entire basketball team of five black players. Oh, no, because you worry that the white people might not come see the black players. Very then you true. find out, well, they're playing basketball really well. And then the, <laughs> the more people come see them than ever before. And you realize they really came to see basketball players. Yeah. Regardless of their color. Yeah. This had to be learned over the years. And I watched that and I've seen it. And, and th- th- I remembered the first time we saw a black person in a TV commercial, my brother came running into the living room. Mommy, daddy, they, Neil, there's a black person on a TV commercial. And we all crowded around the TV, the one TV in the household. And we saw the black person in a TV commercial. That was probably 1968, mm. somewhere around there, 67. And now, you know, in the world of entertainment, uh, actors, performers, they're everywhere. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I'm not going to come around and say, oh, racism is worse than it's ever been before. That is an objectively false statement. I agree Doesn't with mean that. We shouldn't care about yeah. uh, it when it manifests. But maybe what we should do is, in addition to complaining, because we want to always make the situation better. In addition, let's look at the forces in play that got it to as good as it is today relative to the past. Because if you only look at what's bad, you, you're not seeing at what was good. Yeah. Oh, here's what happened. There was some legislation that was passed. Oh, there was this, this. There was an integration of a school. There was a, there was this, this uh, conference that was held. And there was this book that was a bestseller. There was a movie that had a plot line. That happened over here. So maybe we should do some more of that going forward. And it's not just race relations, any disenfranchised group. T- today, uh, trans uh, trans women, trans men right. are facing the 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 ridicule that simply being gay faced decades ago. True. Yes. Very N- true. Notice there are no headlines saying, you know, uh, if an actor or a gay or, person or, or, can't come in the bathroom. <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's not when that said no one ever, really. Yeah. Okay. So because you wouldn't know, right? They're just exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And if, I'll if, tell you, I'll tell you, I I'm I just turned 40. And 40 years, I've never seen a trans woman in a woman's bathroom. And even if I, even if they were in there, I didn't pay it any mind because I'm like, we're here to use the bathroom, we use the bathroom and we leave. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I mean, it's incumbent upon me to highlight for you uh, a, a, a possible bias in your statement. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Uh, let's get let's start with an easy example of a bias. Okay, right? tell me. Here's one. There people can say, I can always tell if a man is wearing a toupee. Okay. There are people who say that. All right. Um that may be true, but it's unlikely to be true. true yeah. Because if the toupee is convincing enough. You don't know that they're wearing a toupee. No, that's what I was saying. I was saying even if there were trans women in the bathroom, I would never even. There's some that I would never even know. It wasn't even that's a thing. my point. You didn't say that. You I did said say I that. Say anything, okay? But yes, there's some you wouldn't even know. No, that's, that's what some. I said. I'm like I wouldn't even know. I that. Okay, sorry. And yeah, sorry. that's okay. And then like they just use the bathroom. I wouldn't even know, and it wouldn't even matter. And it it's was just a wasn't Correct. a thing. Yeah. Right. And 
trans men, uh, you know, with under hormones, they'll grow beards and mustaches. Totally. You have no idea how many trans men you've sat next to on a toilet. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I dated a trans man for like three years. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm not, I'm, yeah, so, I don't, I, I don't right. really so care about trans, that. So the trans issue is what everybody's talking about. And it's no longer interesting for someone to say, to come out as gay. Mm-hmm. Ever notice that, right? Uh, you know, it's it's just not interesting anymore. Yeah. Oh, there's this politician. He's gay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No so one cares I, anymore. It doesn't. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. There was a day when that was the biggest news that would come out in the headlines. Right. Okay. This is progress. That's much the only point of this that I'm trying to get here is that that's progress. Totally. And um, so yeah, there's still more to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. <clears throat> Depending on depending on where the planets are, can that affect us physically? Like the Mercury in retrograde, the, you know, everyone will say it's Mercury in retrograde. You're going to have, you know, arguments with your significant other um, or it, can it affect your body? Can it affect your back? Can it give you pain? Um, is that a real thing for you? Do you believe in that? Um, the good thing about science is when it's true, it's not a matter of whether you believe in it. It would be true for everyone at all times. So so let's back this up a bit. Uh, in the day when it really mattered to people what the planets were doing in the sky, uh, in that day, we're talking 2,000 years ago, Earth was believed to be in the center of all motion. So if you see Mercury moving across the background stars night to night, and then it slows down, stops, and then goes backwards. That's kind of weird. Why is it doing that? Let's invent a word for it. Let's call it retrograde. So now Mercury so moving back, and it slows down, and then it resumes its forward motion. Okay. Um, we would later learn and confirm that the sun is in the center of that motion and not Earth. Yes. So what we see is Mercury going around the sun right in front of our eyes. And so sometimes Mercury goes from left to right across our view. And then when it's the other side of the sun, it goes right to left. But Mercury is always going forward in its orbit. If you went to a car race and you're watching the car go around the track and it comes from left to right in front of you and then it goes right to left on the other side of the track. Right. You don't invent a word for that. You don't say, oh, that car is now in retrograde. No, because the car is always moving forward. So you're saying there's no truth to that. This is just made it up is astrology. bullshit. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay? It yeah. is left over from a time when people's egos were so large that they actually believe that a planet in the sky gave a rat's ass about anything <laughs> in your life. I just want to so say important. that question was Jupiter. from Wiz Khalifa. That was not from me. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am so important that that planet knows I exist and it knows when I was born and it's going to influence my life. Right. What kind of ego does that take? Yeah. Okay. That is not a cosmic perspective on the world. That is a pre-scientific belief system that, and by the way, it's 
its roots are understandable. The crops would would bloom when the when the constellations were in a particular part of the sky because it was an annual thing that repeated. Yeah. And it looked like you're in the center. The sun rises and sets and you're in the middle of it. Yeah. And all the sky rises and sets. Of course you're in the center. And you're not going to try to show that it's you're not because that would conflict with your ego that's really liking this this <laughs> uh, this reality. By the way, the sun moves through 14 constellations, not 12 in the zodiac. And by the way, the alignment of the sun with the constellations in the last 2,000 years has shifted by an entire constellation. So whatever time of year you're born, you're going to say, oh, let me look up my horoscope. Mm-hmm. So you're born under what sign? I'm a Libra. October that would mean, 21st. Okay, that would mean that the sun was moving through the constellation Libra at the time you were born. Mm-hmm. That's what that, that's the definition of your star sign. Okay? All right. So horoscopes, so horoscopes are, it's literally just entertainment purposes. It. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah. It was a free country. If you like your horoscope, just don't ever try to be head of NASA. Okay. Cause that's not going to work. <laughs> but in a free country, I'm not going to, you don't see me yelling at horoscope people. If I'm asked, I'll tell you, but I don't chase them down. No. Yeah. So Let it's basically at this point to say like, oh, what's your sign? Oh, that means, you know, you're indecisive or it's just right, complete right. So, bullshit. Yeah, so what it's, it's. It's trying to understand someone before you even have a conversation with them. (laughs) Right. No, I'd rather have the conversation. Well, we need an icebreaker. How about what are you interested in? Okay. How's that for an icebreaker? (laughs) Then you actually learn something about the person, not about what ancients from 2000 years ago believed the sky was doing to you. Right. And so, so let me just tell you these 14 constellations, uh, Scorpio. Okay. Watch what happens. So when the sun sun enters Scorpio, it doesn't spend much time there. It spends like 10 days. Then it enters the constellation Ophiuchus. And it spends more time in Ophiuchus than it's spent in Scorpio. So most people who are Scorpios are actually Ophiuchans. And all Scorpios and Ophiuchans are currently Librans. Because the alignment is an entire constellation off. And that's what they're basing their predictions on in your life. Crazy. That's so, okay. I'm with you. Okay. And one more just to put this to bed. Uh-huh. People say, well, the moon affects the tides and the tides are made of water and we're made of water. So why can't the moon affect you? You might've heard that one. Yeah, I have. Okay? You can calculate the strength of the tidal force. By the way, the tides you see on earth is a difference in force from one side of the earth to the other. And that puts a bulge in the oceans, okay? One side of the earth to the other side. Well, how about the tidal force across your head? The strength of the moon's gravity from one side of your head compared to the other. You can calculate that. When you do that, you get, the last number I got, was it one trillionth the force that you would feel just with a pillow resting on your head? Yet no one writes stories, you know, werewolf stories about what brand of pillow did you use? Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, how about the pillow way? The pillow is squeezing your cranium vastly more than any tidal force from the moon ever would. So you can count. This is why we have science to establish what is objectively true. Right. So we don't have to just follow what feels good or follow the charismatic person who is scientifically clueless telling you things 
that they want you to believe because they might benefit from it financially or because they know you want it to be true and you're not going to second guess it because it feeds your needs. Right. Exactly. I get it. Um, Thank you for that. Because a lot of people are going to be like, they're going to be probably happy to hear that. Um, I have, or, or maybe I have one, not. Or or maybe not. No, that's <laughs> okay, so true. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. I, I have one more question because I know that we have to go. Yeah, I got, yeah, I got a thing. Okay, go ahead. Um, mm-hmm. So and this could be just a quick answer. Um, do you think in the future that doctors can freeze people and maybe bring them back 100 years later with uh, technology and... and maybe cure them of something that they initially had? No, with with technology, there's something better than that. They'll just make you live longer. <laughs> Why freeze you and thaw you out if I, if I can make you live longer and have a good quality of life for the next 100 years? Okay? If I, if I thaw you out in 100 years, all your friends are dead. Okay? Right. Every, Whereas yeah. if the same medical community figures out how to increase your life expectancy, then you all live together. Do you ha- so, what's so, the percentage so certain of that problems, happening? Don't only have the solution you think of for them. Okay. Henry Ford said, if I'd done what people asked, they would have wanted faster horses. Okay. Sometimes solutions to your needs come from other places. Gotcha. You want to live in a hundred years? Maybe we'll we'll figure out the aging gene and we can still make that happen. Are they wor- free- do, do you know if they're working on that? Yes. Yes. It's amazing. Probably will progress faster than freezing you and thawing you out. Right, right. My guess. Neil, thank you so much. This is your book right here to infinity and beyond a journey of cosmic discovery. Thank you so much for talking to me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks for your interest. uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, take care. Say hi to the family for me. And thanks again. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. That's it for today's episode. If you like it, leave me a review. This episode was recorded at Spotify Studios in Los Angeles. Subscribe to I Hope They're Not Listening wherever you're listening to podcasts right now. And we'll be back with more soon.